This is Adam Lippi, and you're about to hear my interview with Mark Jones, the director of Fraternity Massacre at Hell Island, his horror, comedy, spoof, gay-themed frat movie that he shot uh, several years ago but was just released on DVD. And if you notice my nasality during the interview, you're not wrong. I was just nasal that day. You made a sort of an exploitation film, but uh, the gore didn't start until halfway through. Was there a reason behind that? I've watched some horror films, and I actually watched some to get ready when I made mine. And I noticed there is a little bit of a pattern that there may be a killing or two at the very beginning, which I had when the uh, military escaped. And then there's another 20 or so minutes or whatever before the killing starts again. So I feel like just it's kind of based on a, maybe a pattern. Well, no, I didn't mean the actual deaths. I meant that, like... Obviously, you're not making this sort of movie for the masses, in a sense. So you can you have a little more freedom in terms of ratings and gross out and all that stuff. And in fact, I don't even remember there being like a bit of like close up on gore or something gross or whatever until there's some fingers being chopped off in close up. And I didn't. It, it seemed to be like a complete change because all the other knifings that had uh, preceded it were almost blood free or sort of off camera. I guess what I was more making a sort of a, a B-horror film without a lot of blood than making this to have a ton of blood in it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I just was, it was one of those things where it was a, a strategy that seemed to change over the course of the film. We shot inside a museum, and there were four or five deaths in there. We were not allowed to bring any fake blood into the museum that we shot in. In fact, we had to limit the makeup and any sort of powder and stuff. Was there any thought into, I mean, I, I know you guys finished this a few years ago, but they also have been doing the fake blood CGI for quite some time. Was there any thought to adding some of that later? I mean, you, you know, I guess in, in a sense you could make it look as bad as you want considering you're sort of intentionally making a bad film. I, I was so excited that someone actually wanted to buy this. I was like, let's just do it sell it. Let's go, let's go. What was the budget? It was, I'll say it was under 50000 Was there a reason that it, you know, had a three-year distribution lag? It actually had a longer distribution lag than that. We actually shot the film in late 2005. And I guess um, a couple of one or two, maybe three days of just sort of catch-up items in early 2006. I, I guess I said it in 2007. I thought I was being smart by putting 2007 on the um, fraternity shirts. <laughs> and um, 2007 came and gone. And it wasn't until last fall that Aristocal showed interest in buying it. Did you play festivals and whomever gave we you did. the... Okay. We did. We, we, we finished the movie, um, had our big Memphis premiere in June of 2006, went to a couple of festivals that fall, went to the festival in North Carolina, Gay and Lesbian Film Festival, went to Fire Island Film Festival that fall, that September. Uh, Memphis had an independent film festival, played that. And I got, I arranged for some one-night screenings in Little Rock, Arkansas, and then one in New York, and one in Asheville, North Carolina. I had six or seven screenings of it. Tried to, tried to sell it, tried to get people interested in buying it. No one did. So after, a, you know, a year or two, I actually started working on another project, and I made a web series on a totally different subject. And last summer, I was back at the film festival in North Carolina, showing this web series and talking to a, another filmmaker and who had seen the movie of the fraternity mask. Whatever happened to that? Well, just sort of sitting on a shelf 
and he suggested I contact Bush Cal Entertainment. What did they offer? I mean, they offered obviously direct to video distribution, which was about what you were expecting, correct? Uh, yeah. Because uh, I was assuming that's part of the reason you shot it on digital video is that you weren't so worried about spending a lot of money on the, on 16 or 35 millimeter film. Well, well, that that's what we had to shoot on. I mean, we shot the kind of camera that we, we shot on, you know, digital video. And, and some, there's some movie theaters that are equipped to show beta SP or whatever. To, but I guess I wasn't prepared to put it on 16 millimeter or 35 uh, and was there any post-production that they did on it, or was it just... Because the reason I'm, I'm asking is the music seemed to be almost clearer and cleaner than the dialogue and everything else. Like, it was... It had more push to it. And I was wondering, well, did they have you put that in later, or was that always there, or maybe you're more of a musician? I have not seen a final... Um, I mean, the music has been in there, you know, since day one. So we're going to film festivals, so... I'm not sure what to tell you. <laughs> okay, no, no, I'm just asking. The music was almost too well produced for what you were doing. Since they're in that band, the Central Standards, and they were very kind to let us use that music. Uh, I mean, they're a professional band, and they, were, they had some albums out, and we kind of pick and choose from the albums. And uh, considering you were sort of aware you were making a parody, so you have to balance the levels of skill when you sort of make a deliberately bad film. How do you manage that? What do you have to do? I think you have, almost have to play it straight. I mean, you write it out and say, here's what I want you to do, but you don't want to always be winking at the camera. I mean, we do that song, we do that, actually do some of the music, some of the, uh, not the um, songs, but the standards, but just some of the playful music. And you let all the actors know, okay, you know, we're having fun with this film. That's the main thing. I mean, you know, a lot of the acting is not terrific, but you kind of let it, the viewer lets it slide because you think you're not sure how much of the joke is in, you know, is part of that. Does that give you a little more leeway, or is it less because you it's such a difficult tone to find? Well, not everyone in that movie is an actor. No, I, you, you could tell. <laughs> not everyone. We, have, we actually have some very talented actors that are in that, mm -hmm. and some of them are able to play with the character. But then we have some guys, there's one or two guys. You know, I had to build a fraternity. I mean, granted, most of them had one or two lines, and they got killed off. And so, they're, you know, there's a couple of guys who were on a barbecue team with me and I said, hey, you look kind of like a frat guy and you come come over for two days and uh, be in these group scenes and then, you know, let me kill you off. And they were happy to be in a movie. There was a couple scenes with very strange pop culture references in it. There was one where you just kept naming baseball player names. Yes. And it's not even it's not even theoretically the audience that would watch this movie would even get that. I'm going to believe in that not everyone has to get every joke. That's actually, I made, a, I made a movie when I was in college the, uh, for my religion professor, and I actually used that same baseball joke, uh, baseball names, in that movie. So I took that from, I sort of stole from myself from that movie I made it back in school. You know, it works, and not everyone gets it. I mean, in fact, there were a couple of screenings where maybe only two people laughed, you know, at that one joke. Not for me to judge, but... It, it is more likely that your religion professor would be familiar with baseball players than those at the gay film festival, and I'm not stereotyping by that. Well, maybe so. I, I, but, you know, I, I make it for me. I make it... It's a no, no, I understand that. I'm just like, it, it was one of those things where you, you've you made some very difficult choices when making the film because you've made a, a self-parody and a parody of other genres as well, and then you, you make it a semi-gay film. I mean, gay-themed, not necessarily overtly 
not a it's not a coming out story. That's really hoping the audience will go with you. It's always hard to know who you're making the movie for other than yourself. Now, there's a lot of characters in the movie. In fact, um, I think it would be fair to argue there's too many characters uh, to keep track of. Was there a reason that you had three killers? Was it sort of that Scream 3 thing that you were parroting where at the end it's like some minor character or Dario Gento does it too? It's a minor character who did it who you can't even really remember at this point? I think we set up, uh, I'll just say four, I think maybe it's five. There are five possible suspects. I mean, I have, you know, I've had some other reviews. People do say there are a lot of characters. It sort of bounces around from different people. I, I don't know. That's just how I make it. Honestly, at the end of the day, I just wanted to have a fun, sort of campy, shocky, gay B-horror film. And I had made a coming out story. Actually, this was my second film to make. I made a, a, a film that never got distribution, and I made sort of a coming out story. So I wanted to do something very different. Was there any inkling that you might want to really push the homoeroticism of frats like, even more than you did? I mean, I guess you could, we could have pushed it a little more. I think we pushed it pretty much. I mean, in all the horror films I've seen, there's rarely, and I, let me say, in all the sort of uh, general horror films, and especially when I wrote this, you know, remember I wrote this in 2004 and, and really 2005, and so the, the gay horror genre has come a long way in five years. But when I wrote this, you know, you, you watch some of these movies, and like Scream, what you mentioned, or any of the other movies and there either there wasn't a gay character in it at all or there was a gay character who was a very minor character a token character really a token character who would be killed off mm-hmm. you know within 30 minutes of the film so I just wanted to make a movie where the star you know our young pledge is gay and there are other gay characters in the film you don't want it to be a specific point that there's a gay character, so you uh, appease the politically correct police. You want it to be a little more natural with their, you know, people are in college, they're likely to be more experimental, and then they'll be likely more open, openly gay people than there might be otherwise. Well, I was, in, I was in the fraternity at school uh, a few years ago, and, you know, I was very closeted. Mm-hmm. And so where it turns out, you know, 20 years later, that, gosh, there are, there was more than one of us. In the fraternity, that we, and, you know, the other guys are closeted too. I mean, I wonder, I wonder, hey, there's a gay character, there are gay people in fraternities. Every fraternity has gay, gay, gay kids. And some of them become politicians. If there is some sort of homoeroticism between two straight characters in a fraternity, that captures that sort of closeness between guys who are 21, 22 that straight guys have in college. They wouldn't necessarily act like that, you know, in their 30s or 40s with, with somebody. You toured with the, the film, I'm assuming for like a year or so. Were there any films that you saw that you thought should get some sort of distribution that never have? Or, you know, maybe someone who made a film and that didn't, that didn't get distribution and maybe they, they moved on to something else and that got distribution. You know, some sort of sleeper that most people would not have heard of. Since this has happened and, and gearing up for this distribution, I've actually gone back and looked at movies, and there was one movie, um, Creature from the Pink Lagoon, that actually was playing at some of the same festivals I was, and we both, both movies came out about the same time, and it did get distribution, I'm happy that it did. Back in, two, I guess in 2006, 2007, there seemed to be an odd number, a high number of gay, gay lesbian sort of horror films. I don't know if it sort of peaked then. 
One was, I believe, called Hitchcock. It was a movie about a short film about a guy in the shower, two guys in the shower. So it plays off Psycho. I think it ended up getting, I think it was on one of those, um, like, boys shorts videos, DVDs. Mm-hmm. And there was another one, Zombie Prom, that I saw. That again, it's like a 30-minute short. And I, I think it's gotten some, I mean, it's been out, it's got RuPaul, RuPaul in it. It's a shame, though, you can't get into short films, and so they don't have their own DVD. You uh, directed a horror film, but you unfortunately share the name of someone else who made schlocky horror films. I don't know if you know that. I learned that last week. I learned that last week, and uh, I did put, I do put my middle name. It's not on some of the, all the stuff, but on the movie itself, my middle name is in there just to distinguish ourselves from all the other mini Mark Joneses of the world because there are, I went to school with another Mark Jones but I did not realize that there was another Mark Jones who directed Leprechaun. Well, I think you, you take advantage. You know, you, someone asks you, hey, did, are you the guy who directed Leprechaun? And you say, yes, Mark Jones directed Leprechaun. <laughs> was there some stuff that you really wanted to get to? I mean, the movie's obviously very short, even though it seems a little overstuffed and with subplots and stuff. Was there more that you wanted to get to in the film that you didn't have time or money or points you wanted to make that kind of had to go by the wayside? You know, I think I think the, the story's pretty much told in the in the eight minutes. I, I think it would have drugged, or Spiegel would have said drugged more if we had... The worst thing you could do is take an 80-minute film and make it 90 minutes long, 100 minutes long, because then people would be like, oh my gosh, it's long. So keep it as tight as possible is what I like to, my motto. You know, if we had more money, it would have been nice to uh, maybe do um, at the sunrise towards the end, you know, Killers called and the folks who are who are still alive leave the island at the you know during the sunrise scene. It'd be nice to maybe even get a helicopter and have some dead bodies scattered over the island, you know, and, and show that from an aerial point of view. That would have been nice, but just cost that was cost prohibitive and and now it's actually time. I mean, we were stretched to, to the limit on time for shooting. How long did you shoot over? A couple weeks. We shot either 16 or 17 days on the island. That's in the museum and in the amphitheater. Then we shot probably four or five more days scattered about. So let's say it was a three-week shoot, but not necessarily three tight weeks of the calendar. It was 17 days and then two days here, a day there, and maybe two days towards the end. Now, what I found interesting about the film is that you've essentially made an exploitation film without the exploitation. There's a smidgen of nudity here and there. There's not a lot of gore. It's not particularly graphic. You could almost, not quite, but you could almost get a PG-13 if it were to go through the legitimate studio channels. Was that part of what you wanted to do? Or, you know, because there's, there's not really any sex in the film, honestly. Well there's, well, there's no sex. There's some male backside. Right. And then there's, and then there's female um, tits in the shower. Right, but it's all very brief. As it, that's a requirement. If you read the uh, B Horror book, you've got to have a girl in the shower. No, I know, but usually, you know, if you don't have the rating restrictions, you can just do what you want and have a hundred of them if you felt like it. Well, you know, it was a little hard to find, and maybe I didn't try hard enough. I could find women who could act, and then I could find women who would show their breasts, but it was hard finding someone who could act and show their breasts. Well, that's because they don't exist. So, I, you know, I, you're right. I see what you're saying. I could have had a scene where, if I wanted to, where... 110 10 girls are, are running around the shower playing with each other. But 
my mom's gonna watch this, my minister's gonna watch the movie, and so I gotta deal with that, so. That's an open-minded minister. My minister's very supportive of my movie. You know, in all, in all honesty, it goes back to, I'm probably more of a comedy writer. At the, at the base of it all, that's where I'm coming from. So I'm actually more concerned, honestly, I'm more concerned about the jokes. And, you know, like I said, not everyone has to get every joke. But, you know, just putting jokes in there. In fact, there's one joke that no one gets. And you probably didn't get it. You may, may have gone right by there. Can I tell you the joke now? Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's the two, um, the president and the vice president, uh, they're on the island. They're talking. It's Tommy and John. And John said, hey, you've got an interview coming up. I want you to be, you know, ready for it. And the president told me, he said, oh, man, I'm smooth. I'm like a secret agent, you know. I'm like Guy Smiley or, or James Bond. And then the other guy said, correction, said, no, you mean George Smiley. And people, you know, Guy Smiley is from the Muppet Show. If you remember Sesame Street, Guy Smiley is the reporter. And then George Smiley is the secret agent from Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. And no one gets that. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Well, you know, but all those British, all those Sesame Street watching British people who are sixty plus will get that. That is a, that is a huge audience. You're, you're absolutely right. I know. What's out? They're out there. They're out there. <laughs>